Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host, Sam, from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass, and joining me, not in the room, but virtually and digitally, and thanks to the modern age, it's Mr. Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Hello, everyone. Should we be honest and admit the fact that this isn't the first time we've recorded this podcast today? <laughs> yes, we should be honest that we this is the second time. I'm so first sorry, time Tony. in my kitchen. Yeah, I apologize. And uh, now I'm in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, it's a brave new world out there. We're, we're all trying to discover what our lives during the coronavirus crisis look like. And I royally messed up the first recording of, of this podcast. So I'm apologizing to Tony because he's having to sit through my crap chat all over again. Um, but we're, we're doing it, you know, for you guys, for you listeners, for you viewers. Um, so yes, if you're watching here on YouTube, welcome to Behind the Glass during COVID-19. Um, uh, please make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes of uh, Tony and I uh, conversing via Skype or Zoom or however we decide to do so. Um, and if you're listening, please make sure to keep following on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on. So yes, Tony, I'm so sorry, um, but welcome back. Thank you again. No problem. Thank you for finding the time. If you, if you see some hand gestures at any point, that's my daughter just coming in the room. So... Oh, no. Uh, excuse hand gestures. It's going to be like one of those BBC news interviews where midway through your daughter comes and climbs all over you and distracts you <laughs> from the podcast. No, she won't. She won't do that. But uh, does she she's have a three, Instagram? So she, uh... No, she's three. She doesn't have Instagram, does she? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. These kids these days. These kids they like social media. They like their apps. I don't know what age it starts. I don't have a kid. Not free, mate. <laughs> Can you have a proper conversation with her? Like if you were like, what do you think about the fact Bojo's gone into uh, hospital? Who's gone into hospital? Bo Bojo. Sorry, that's, that's a Boris Johnson. Oh, Boris Johnson. In, in this household, we've started to call yeah. him Bojo. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can have a proper conversation with her. I mean, she doesn't know who Boris Johnson is, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So. Okay, but yeah, you can, you can talk about educated. Baby Shark and Princess Sparkles and then she's all in the room. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what's, the, what's the pig one? Pepper Pig. There's a Pepper Pig. Yeah, she loves that. Bad that I don't have a kid yet. I know that. You know more than me, yeah. 
um, anyway, look, uh, let's dive into things because it's been it's been an interesting week, even though not much has been going on. And I want to hear about what your life in isolation is like. Uh, but I've got to kick things off with the fact that last night you made a royal titty yourself by, I mean, I feel like I've educated you about social media over the last few years, but somehow you got it so wrong. And I don't know what to call it, whether you got into a Twitter spat or what, but Chris Harris, as in Top Gear Chris Harris, made a fool of your T-Dog because you were, you, were, you were saying something and then you were DMing him something else. And <laughs> I was like, oh God, here we go again. Uh, yeah, it was crop. Cross wires, but uh, one of them things, boy. I mean, honestly, like, I I think when we first met, I said, look, there's a few things you need to know about social media. Like, you know, just be honest, be true to yourself. And then don't slide in the DMs. You're always going to get caught out. And, you know, I was hoping that if you did get caught out, it would be like sliding into Kylie Jenner's DMs or something. But no, it's Chris Harris from Top Gear. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we'll move past it. But that must have been an exciting end to your week. What else have you been up to? What, apart from being bored and stirring things up on social social media because you're bored uh, what else have you been doing i think that's literally what i was doing i just bored um well actually to be fair um i had quite a nice weekend actually i've spent some nice time with with my daughter time that i don't normally spend obviously because uh, i'm always at work so yeah i've spent a nice couple of weeks with her um and um yeah i, I cooked a barbecue yesterday no you yeah. did not Yes. I mean, I cannot cook, as in kitchen. I think I, I knew am that. good on a barbecue. Well, because all you have to do is put some meat on a hot hot thing and sit back. And no, that's not what you've got to do. You've got, you've got to make sure it's cooked, mate. I mean, I cannot give people... I mean, we're all fine. I mean, it's not the first time I've done a barbecue either. Okay, no one's been do on the Do you know what it is? Day. I had a nice, nice glass of red wine on the side, oh. and it was a nice day. South-facing garden, blah, 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 oh, fish, bash, bosh. You sound like you're on some <laughs> TV show with Phil and Kirsty. A lovely south-facing garden. I don't know what, what way my balcony face. I don't have a garden. I have like a, it's not even a terrace. It's like a, just a ledge. Uh, and I have no idea what way it faces. <laughs> and whenever I go out there, I feel awkward because obviously living in central-ish London, all the houses are so close together. So we look out onto other houses looking back at us. And so whenever I go out there, I feel like I'm stepping into my neighbor's gardens. And I tried to film a segment earlier in the week as an intro. And I was like, so everyone, welcome to Seen Through Glass. Because I was so embarrassed about being out there and filming and making noise. Well, I mean, you must see some naked people in the window at points. Oh, well, they must see some naked me. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't really like wearing clothes, especially not during <laughs> isolation. So, so I feel sorry for my neighbours. They've definitely, uh, definitely seen a bit too much. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, uh, funny that you should say that, you know, you, you, you did a barbecue because hashtag what else you got to do. But yeah, I feel like I'm kind of doing things that maybe usually I don't feel like I have time to do because suddenly we've got all this time. So I've been trying different ways to make coffee because that's what excites me. And I've been trying different beers, mate. Look at me having the beers. Very good. You turn into a man for a change. <laughs> yeah, well, I had one and then I passed out for two days. Vicky, come <laughs> find me. Find me in my makeshift studio. Are you all right? So I think I'm hungover. Uh, <laughs> so it's been depressing. But uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. I, I struggle with this whole isolation thing. Of course, I'm trying to take advice as strongly as possible. I'm, I'm staying inside, only doing emergency 
journeys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I find it tough. I don't really know what to do with my days. I'm trying to be as proactive and productive as possible, but my life is usually going out and creating content and I should find ways to be creative within this house or flat. Um, but I just, you know, I don't get as inspired. So how do you, you've got to try and stay on top of your business. I imagine Tony, um, in whatever shape or form, like, are you quite good at that? Can you find stuff to make yourself busy or do you find yourself scratching your head at times too? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, critically at the moment, uh, for, for businessmen, it's just trying to keep your business alive. I mean, uh, it's tough times at the moment. So, um, and who knows what's going to, what's going to happen in the future when this is all over. So uh, we have to be ready for that. And, um, you know, I'm sure we will be, the workers will be, and uh, we will rise again. We will rise again. Well, look, I think before we move on to the car chat, which is what Behind the Glass is supposed to be fundamentally about, but never seems to actually be about, um, just to, to say that both, both Tony and I are thoughts, of course, with anyone that's been affected in, in whatever way uh, by COVID. And of course, we are hugely appreciative here in the UK uh, of the NHS and any other key workers. But of course, all around the world, I think, you know, uh, we're aware that we've got international listeners uh, and all over the world, people are doing amazing work, whether it's delivery men or cleaners or whatever, but of course, uh, health and medical staff. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a round of applause. Where is it? There's a button on here somewhere. Nope. 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 <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Sorry. I, those buttons are just my worst nightmare on there. I've got to label them up. Apparently this, this podcasting desk came with little labels I could stick on those buttons so that I don't keep messing them up every single week. Uh, but anyway, yes, come on, Tony. Let's get into it. Cars. Car chat. Um, because yesterday I released a video, which is the first installment in a new series I'm going to be doing called Time to Buy? Question mark, um, which is supposed to look at sort of supercars or at least sports cars that have theoretically had their biggest hit of depreciation. So now they represent quite, you know, attractive ownership propositions. And I drove a car that you've been talking to me about for years, the V12 Vantage S. Tony, you've been texting me going, oh, Sam, that's a great... No, I'm joking, of course. Uh, Tony never texted me about Aston Martin. I was going to say, that was not me. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to quiz you on, uh, is also as a way for me to help plan my future content, is, you know, what cars out there do you think, you know now represent quite a good proposition. And I'm not talking about hashtag coronavirus prices, because as you say, there's so much uncertainty. Let's go back a few weeks to when the world wasn't such a horrific place. Uh, and the fact that, you know, a McLaren 720S, they've been what? Sub 200k now for what? Three or four months, if not longer. And what an insane car for that money. So yeah, prior to the current scenario, what cars were you kind of looking at going as a car? That's pretty good bang for your buck. Yeah, well, the the supercar market's been, uh, for a better word of um, phrasing it, on its ass for a while. I mean, <laughs> don't you know, around. The, 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 entertainment. But price, the prices have been uh, weak and falling for for quite a while now, and you know, at that price point, at that hundred and fifty grand price point, uh, obviously the seven twenty S comes in. Uh, get four eight eight coupe for that money now. No, four eight eight to one hundred and fifty odd. Yeah, yeah, like a like a sixteen car with five seven thousand miles on it. Wow, kind of one fifty one sixty ish. Do you think? Do you um, think the world went a bit mad in terms of? 
you know, how much people were charging for these cars. I was looking at the other day, I can't remember what stats I was looking at, but I think a 996 GT3 or maybe a 997 GT3 was only just over a hundred grand, you know, and that's not that long ago. Well, suddenly now, you know, specced up what 488s were what, 230 240 help me out um yeah yeah two yeah 240 respect up ones do you think that was just too much do you think you know cars fundamentally you know shouldn't have really ever cost that much or that's just the way the world is slash was well um to be fair I, i i know probably not really in your recent generation cars have always especially supercars have you know we've been a bit funny times where they haven't really lost the money that they used to but now they are doing what they used to because there's a lot of them. And the, and, and the thing is, the reason why there's a lot of them is because they're so easy to buy now with finance and whatnot. I mean, we, we all fund our cars, whether you need to or not. Um, most people fund their cars because it makes sense to do it financially. Um, so it makes them more accessible, which means there's more of them, which means the manufacturers make more of them, which means they devalue. So, um, yeah, and, and, and there's a lot, as we've said before, there's a lot of um, manufacturers in the market. So they're all competing with each other, which also drives prices down. So, um, yeah, when you look at that, that price point as well, I mean, performances are that money, sort of 150, 160 now. Not 150, but they're 160, 170. Um, we, we spoke about this before. AMG GTRs are a hundred yeah. grand. Oh my god, um, that is a that is a sweet car for that money. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's still a supercar, and 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 our old cars, five seventy S and five forties. You know, they're under a hundred grand, and 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 uh, and they're full on supercars. So now, I mean, um, the, yeah. the funny thing is when you come into that. I mean, obviously we can bring up my 360 again, just as long as you promise not to take the piss out of it. Um, but, but not that long ago, there was a long question about, you know, what Ferraris can you get into sub hundred K and my car 360s range from, I don't know, 50 to 70 or something like that. But when you compare that to a 540C or even a 570S, maybe even being only 10 or 15 grand more, I mean, what are people doing buying 360s? Do you know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I get it. Different horses for different courses. And, and I'm the one who's ended up in a 360 from a 540. But I just think that now the values of used supercars are so kind of all over the place that why would you go and buy a RS6 or a Taycan or, I don't know, even a brand new R8? I think that's maybe a more appropriate comparison for 120 grand or something like that, when you can go and step into 570s or 720s for not much more, not much less. Because most people that have got supercars have already got an RS6 or a Range Rover, mate. You know, yeah, that, that was a bad comparison their for second sure. car. Yeah, I mean, I'm just in talking about actual new supercars. I think, you know, if you were going to look at, I'm trying to think of a good example now of like a modern new car where the previous generation or sidestep, like why would you go and buy a 570S now? Why would you do that? A brand new 570S? Why would you not buy a used 720S? Well, can, I, I mean, can you can you buy 570S? I don't think you can anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Why does this always come back to McLaren with us? It's such a... <laughs> it's not the example I meant to say, but you're like, you can't go and buy a GT3, so that's not an appropriate example. Okay, Huracan. Like, yeah. A, a brand new Huracan Evo must be 200 grand, right? Spec'd up? 
two and a bit more, mate. Two thirty, two forty. I mean, they're a lot of money now. And so you you could get an Aventador for that. Uh, you get Aventador S. Yeah, yeah. I mean, awful car. Yeah. People know that. I don't think that's very good, that car. So a totally different machine, but I'm just, that's why McLaren are so uh, such a good comparison because 570 and 720, they're fundamentally not too different. The cars, both carbon tubs, very similar engines, etc. But the 720, much bigger and much better uh, at a similar value. And there's not too many other manufacturers that offer that kind of comparison in terms of price point and product. Um, but yeah, it's just been something that's kind of been weighing on my mind and I need to come up now with a list of cars to look at. I think R8 V10 plus manual, like what an amazing proposition that would be right now at 60 or grand. We've talked about that car a lot before talked about the NSX a lot before. I definitely want to have another go in one of those GT three is a really interesting one because nine, nine, so, so annoying all the 911 marks. 997.2 GT3 RS is more than a brand new 911 GT3. And I'm just a bit like, well, where's the value there? I would say in the brand new GT3, the brand new GT3 is always going to be a better car than the 997 3RS in my mind. It, it, it's, a, it's a better car for sure, but... Um, is it the car you want? The the not the, Yeah, the 997 GT3 RS would be a lot rarer. So... Yeah, and it's a more analog um, feel. It's more money. And yeah, so I, yeah. I get it, but it's I, I'm excited for this series because of these questions that we can ask, and also for the opportunity to come and turn up at your <laughs> at Gravelwood with cars that I know you're going to go. Oh, what are you on about? Because fundamentally, if you don't know this about Tony, he doesn't care about cars that are more than a year old. He just sees them as stock from a <laughs> from a personal <laughs> level. He's not interested. He just sees it sees it as something he can sell. So that's why he doesn't really care. It's just a business proposition for him. Um, anyway, uh, to move on from that series, which you know hopefully will be coming to your screens uh, once lockdown is lifted. Um, oh, actually, one I have to say before we move on quickly, the 1M, because you've got that 1M in, in stock, actually, at Gravelwood, don't you? Mm, That's an yeah. interesting car. That's a car which price point, well, you you're, you can tell me better than, than I can tell the audience, but, you know, it's been a solid, what, 35 grand-ish for a few years now? Four, 40. Four. 40 grand ish yeah sorry i just devalued the car 40 grand in stock but um, yeah, but yeah, yeah no what a great proposition like what a cool car it's a very good car it's actually probably the only thing that me and chris harris agree on <laughs> hey do not do not stir the pot again you are a liability on social media i thought wrestling you away from the bad influence that is archie hamilton you would calm down a bit but you, you're getting cocky again now you're getting too big for your boots um, no, I'm joking. I know you are. I know you are. I think I think most people do as well. But um, uh, look, let's yeah. let's move on because I had a very interesting few days at the end of last week where I got invited to take part in my first ever e-sports event, which is going to be happening t tomorrow. Actually, we're recording this on Monday, and it's going to be taking place tomorrow, courtesy of uh, Infinity and their tie-in with the Renault F1 team and this is Renault Sport. So yes, I mean, I've got to go find my PlayStation in a second. I actually don't know where it is uh, and download Gran Turismo, but I'm going to be going up against Esteban Ocon, actual F1 driver, Esteban Ocon, and a load of other sort of professional gamers and streamers and influencers. It's, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm destined for failure. Um, but I wanted to speak to you, Tony, because this is a thing now, isn't it? Esports, I guess, whilst real sport can't happen, so many places, and especially motorsport, are turning to the internet and to games. Uh, so did you catch yesterday's F1 esports race, and what are your thoughts on esports? 
I mean, I did, I did watch a bit of it actually. I, ju- I didn't know it was on. Uh, someone messaged me and, and said it was on. Just give it, see what you think. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bit weird. I mean, uh, Leclerc, Leclerc, whatever his name is, Leclerc. absolutely launched everyone. I mean, he was miles ahead. I mean, I just Jensen love to think that he's been... like this, like this dark horse talent that is going to destroy F1 when he gets the chance because he's even doing it on computer games. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say about Button? Yeah. Poor guy? yeah. Well, he was at the back of the medical car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we think he cares? He's just one of the coolest cats no. in the business, Button, isn't he? I mean, hasn't he just had a baby so, with his with model girlfriend? Yeah, he's. I think he's such a nice bloke as well. I yeah. think he's got quite a lot. From, I mean, I've never met him, but from what I from what you I can slide see, into his and DMs, I've heard mate. interviews and sorry, you should slide into his DMs. That goes well for you. Do, do, normally it does. Yeah, <laughs> it always goes quite well. But did, um, I mean, did you watch but, the whole um, race, or you just you just dropped in? What like? No, so I watched a bit of it. Um, it was really weird. Like, um, I didn't I didn't really know what to make of it, really, because the commentary was good. That that's what made it like half real. But um, yeah, apart from that, like, Lacour at the front. But yeah, it was I a bit think weird. I think if they're gonna do it they should have the drivers like the Twitch stream or whatever, the microphones for the drivers on the broadcast, like team radio, but almost like active. Cause that's kind of where you want the banter. Like if you watch Lando Norris's streams or, or Max Verstappen's streams or anything like that, it's the kind of interaction between the drivers during that stream that makes it so funny. Like, Oh my God, you punted me off and blah, blah, blah. And I saw something where I think Albon hit somebody and, George Russell was like, oh, it's like Brazil all over again or something. I don't know what. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, that would make it, I think, exciting. But f- as a viewer, as a fan, I'm not that interested. No, me too. I'd be, like I said, I'm not as, as big of a nerd of, of uh, F1 as you, but if if they started playing uh, f- uh, football on FIFA and putting it on Sky Sports, I mean, I'd be fuming. <laughs> I mean, it's not a thing. <laughs> You'd be <laughs> okay. So if they went, if they went every single like Tottenham's proper first eleven, is that right? For, like senior team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah, go- yeah, going up against Liverpool. It's all the actual real players, but they're playing on FIFA. And John Motson, if he's still alive, is going to be commentating. Uh, look at me and my references. Um, you wouldn't watch it. You wouldn't care. You'd be like, whatever. Give a crap. No, I'm not watching that. No way. I mean, it's not It's not competitive, is it? I mean, it's not real. Yeah, you'll be watching Peppa Pig with your daughter. I think it is competitive, actually. Sorry, well, I just picked up on that. You, I think it is competitive. Well, not FIFA. I mean, no. I mean, F1 might be a bit different because you've got proper Sims, not PlayStations, which you're going to play it on. I mean, I, ca- I mean, I cannot believe what I'm hearing, that you're going to be racing people with something in your hand. I mean, that oh, might hold be the on first a sec. time. Oh, hold, yeah, hey, hold on. <laughs> Hold on a sec. That went a bit weird for a moment. To clarify, a controller, Tony, can we just say? I'll be having a controller in my hand. Um, well, yes, I realised that I'm going to be going up against people with like full sims and I'm going to be there with my little controller being like, hey guys. But in esports, I, th- I mean, I take esports, I see it. I see the potential. I see the opportunity. I realise it's huge. And uh, I mean, let's not even get to like streaming of Call of Duty and Fortnite. But just in terms of esports, like for Formula One, it, I can see the potential and the benefit in the terms that 
they can become test drivers, these guys, like sim drivers, like McLaren actual, you can use their sim, get these guys on there, sometimes quicker than the real race drivers. Um, so I see that, but I get, yeah, with FIFA, a load of guys sat around in a room with controllers might not quite have the same the same impact. Yeah, I think... Um I think the um, the sim the sim racers are obviously really good at sim racing, and uh, and uh, in quite often at the top top level they're even quicker than the F one drivers. But I think if you put them in an actual car, they would be so bad. I'd be so intrigued. They, they, they wouldn't be anywhere near. You probably wouldn't have known this because this is a bit nerdy, but they used to do something called GT Academy, which was Gran Turismo Academy. So, so before eSports, and it was an opportunity for the top Gran Turismo racers in the world to actually end up in a racing series. So you'd go through virtually quick, uh, you know, qu- like heats and qualifiers, and then you'd end up getting into real cars. And I think the most famous or arguably the most successful guy who came out of it was that Jan Mardenborough. Have you ever heard of him? He was a cool young mm. kid. Yeah. yeah, I have, yeah. A lot of stuff with Nissan and things. And so I think that proved that sim racers or gamers could actually drive, like a few of them. But it is a different skill and a different ability. But in this day and age, when F1 teams can't go out on track, they must be absolutely hammering the sim hours. And if you've got a little mm. kid who's quicker on a sim than, than Ocon and Ricardo put him in the sim. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to be getting more. But I guess the question point being, he can't relate to what the actual F1 car's like and his ability to analyze tire temperature and suspension wishbones and things like that isn't going to be the same as theoretically Ocon and Ricardo. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like I said, I think there's a huge difference. Um, You know, I'd much rather be in a car than, than be on a sim. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, I was trying to just go for, like, a drive. I I, I set up a thing on, um, uh, what was it? Uh, anyway, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> I and mean, that's because it's time for a break. Basically, I, I need a drink, and I've lost my train of thought. So, yes, <laughs> we're, we're going to take a short break while I refresh myself and put my brain back in gear. Uh, and then we'll be back to continue today's episode of Behind the Glass. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We're back. I've had my refreshment. I've now got my uh, trusty Sam Bucks mug ready to uh, keep drinking. Uh, do you know about Sam Bucks, by the way, Tony? No, no, no. Not, new, not, what is it? My new coffee brand I'm going to be starting. I really don't think I'm going to be sued by Starbucks at all. It's not like I have the same logo as them at all. Uh, just holding that mug up to, to the screen so Tony can see yeah. it. But anyway, it was a... It was where, a where, where have you had that made? In China? Yeah, well, I hope not. Should probably disinfect it, shouldn't I? Uh, no, <laughs> it was a gift from Vicky uh, a few years ago. And just, you know, my little way of celebrating Starbucks even when I can't. Um, so, yes. Back on to automobiles. Um, moving on from esports, uh, I wanted to touch on uh, a few things actually, which happened to me this week. Firstly, uh, I went for my daily exercise, my my short stroll outside, and realised that there are still a ton of cars in London, still a n- ton of nice cars, and it seems to be lots of people are using their nice cars for their urgent essential shopping run uh, not quite sure whether that's on or not um, but I saw a few things to discuss firstly I saw a DBX I'm pretty sure it was Merrick Reichman the the Aston Martin designer driving it um, but I saw a DBX on the road for the first time and I um, I don't like that car no I mean was he well was he was he uh, he was on well. the side of the road waiting no. for a tow truck no don't start what? Tony but purely based on, <laughs> on visuals. To be fair, it was Vicky who spotted it, like top spot from Vicky. Um, but yeah, just cruising around. I just thought it looks a bit ugly and a bit fugly. And in a world that's gone SUV mad, I'm, I, uh, I wasn't keen on that. And then another car that I wasn't that that's keen on. The, oh, sorry, go on. If you've got something to say, but don't be too critical. That's, that's the car that's going to save the brand, apparently. Oh, well, hold on a sec, actually, because something we can discuss is that the Lawrence Stroll takeover was formally confirmed last week i mean good yeah (laughs) (laughs) in the the center of one of the biggest recessions ever good on him good on him for seeing it through but they announced they confirmed that aston were going back to f1 which i'm a big fan of and i have to say like we all know i'm a fan of this and people are asking for us to do an aston martin special but i just the problem is tony wouldn't say a word and if he did it's going to be negative. So I don't want to put Aston through that because I love that brand. And one day I will own one of those cars, but I quite like that there's new ownership, although I'm not certain it's going to go in the right direction and, and how genuine it all is, you know, good on them and, and go on Aston and Lawrence stroll. Um, but the DBX is still, um, but yes, another car I wanted to move on to so that Tony didn't completely ruin my credibility on this podcast uh, was the new F type. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the new F type on the road. Um, and this is a car that I'm so intrigued by. And of course, want to experience, I feel like I have to experience, but was just a bit like, uh, I think it looks like squinty eyes. Have you seen pictures of it, Tony? I have. Yeah. Um, I think it looks all right to be fair. Um, I don't think it looks too dis- too dissimilar to the old car. Um, Lots of it is yeah. similar. It's just that front and those front headlights and things like that. And maybe I'm too close. Maybe I've got too much of an emotional link to the old car. But I just loved that old car so much. And and the new one, I'm, mm. uh, yeah, it's a little weird. 
But yeah, what, what yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, I mean, it does look a little bit like the Vantage, um, but they, I guess they always do a little bit. It's that kind of shape, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's still going to be an attractive proposition, I think. And I don't know, it seems like a very early car and it was a convertible, maybe it was a press loan um, <laughs> to, to be to be out on the streets. But yeah, I need to see more of them to, to bide my time um, and, and suss it out. And I also need to have a go because apparently they are good and, and a big step forward. But I'm, just, I'm nervous about getting behind the wheel of it in case I don't really like it. I think it sounds, mm. well, like all new cars, sounds a bit, eh. we all know how great that old F-Type yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when you came to pick up my old F-Type when we sold it? Yes, I do. And I and I uh, did. I not ring you or message you like ten seconds down the road Literally. and say, "What is this noise?" You came, to, and it was the first time I'd really heard it from the outside in London. I'd heard it out and about in the sort of wilds of Switzerland. But yeah, you drove away from it, and I could hear the car for literally about 10 minutes and you'd call me straight away and be like what is this and you were doing your cap on. <laughs> there you go nicely nicely timed um, but yeah I mean that was so loud but stock F-Type R's from the last generation sounded amazing and Project 8's and Project 7's mm. And because of the new regulations, I just feel like if they lose that sound, is it going to be the same experience? I hope so. I hope so. I just don't know. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, obviously, a bit of passion has been dialed out of modern cars, full stop. You know, all manufacturers have had to do it. But um, can yeah, you there's think not a lot of, we can do about it. Is this one can of you things. think of other like facelifts where it's only been a small step, but the newer car has been a bit of a letdown in comparison to a very popular previous versions. I, one make in particular is coming to my mind, but can you think of anywhere they've messed up the facelift? Uh, Audi with the R8, mate. Fair. Fair. Didn't see that coming. Mm. You think that, so when they went from that classic iconic launch shape to the kind of newer, more updated one that, that you and I test drove actually, didn't we? Back for the my next F-Type No, I, I, was, I was thinking the one that we that we drove to the new car now, to the facelift now. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Wow. So I, um, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then you think it's a bit of a letdown, the latest, latest version. But yeah. The latest, latest car. I mean, mm. you know, they've, it's quiet. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look quite as good. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a bit of a letdown. Maybe by how you feel about the Jag. A little yeah. bit like that really, maybe. I was going to say before that 458 to 488. We know the 488 is obviously amazing as we've discussed many times. Mm. You've earned 65 of them. Um, but I think most people write off the 488 and think the 458 is a better option. Yeah, until they drive them. When they drive them, they didn't understand. But, um, we get it, it. We it, know. It, <laughs> we know. We know. It's, it's a little bit like people that don't like Porsche as well. They just say, oh, it's just another 911. But as soon as you drive them, you then understand. So you need to own one and drive one. Then you'll understand. Fair, fair. You know, it, this is the big thing. And I think I've experienced this a lot in my life as seen through glass is expectations or, or uh, yeah, opinions, expectations compared to, to realizations. And I was definitely one of those Porsche haters, like for so long, like pre seen through glass. I was like, oh, whatever, 911s. Like, like, oh, sorry. I just got a very, very loud WhatsApp. Let me... Uh, how do I get rid of that? It's Paul Wallace. Oh, what's he going to be on about? Oh. Anyway. Oh, he's not going to stop now. He's not going to stop. Hold on a sec. Let me tell him to stop because he's going to just text me for hours. Uh, hold on. Yeah, ping, 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 ping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stop texting. I'm recording a podcast. Lol. 
it's pinging in the background. He's now going to send a ton of messages in the, sorry viewers. This he is will, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, viewers are going to be like, what is going on? This podcast has gone to hell, but welcome again to coronavirus behind the glass. Uh, so yes, I was a Porsche hater or just ignorer. And then obviously I, my first, I think nine 11 was Mr. JWW's GT three. And I was like, Oh my God, this thing's actually amazing. And, Whenever I release a video, I do still get lots of comments from people who I think make the assumption based on previous content or videos or articles they've read. Oh, here he goes. I told you. How do I stop that? Sorry. Just put it on silent. I know, but it's coming through on my computer. Okay, I think you stopped. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think you stopped. Um, so, uh, yes, the V12 Vantage, for example, I had so many people saying, oh, get a manual before they'd even watch the video. I mean, honestly. Okay. <laughs> Go away. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just close this. What a douchebag. Okay, we're back. Sorry, everyone, about that. I really apologize. Like, that was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> Tony, what's that? If this is the future of behind the glass, I'm really going to start getting depressed. I mean, come on. We've got to at least be able to record an episode without bongings going off and your kid running through the shot, which she hasn't done yet, to be fair. So, bravo. Yeah, I've locked the door. <laughs> what were we talking about, by the way? <laughs> Uh, we were talking about, oh, flipping it, I've lost my phone thoughts now. Oh, I'm not going clear. Anyway, <laughs> should we move on to the next topic? Bloody hell, Paul Wallace. We're out to get you. Um, so it's yes, let's move on. Cause I just have no idea what's going on in life. Uh, because I want to discuss the fact that unfortunately or, or depressingly quite soon, the mini clubman JCW, which I was lent by mini UK is going to be taken back by mini UK. I don't know exactly when, cause obviously during lockdown, I doubt they're going to be sending drivers out to collect cars. Uh, but I think the official date I've got to give it back is in about three or four weeks. Um, so I have made a video, which is going to be going live on the main channel at some point, talking about my experience with that car. It's a bit of a rushed last minute coronavirus video. Um, but, uh, but in general, what I wanted to discuss now and try and get some of your thoughts, Tony, is what could replace it? Because it's quite a unique proposition, that Clubman JCW. It's circa 35 grand. It's a sort of size of a hatchback, but an estate. It's quick. It's usable. It's kind of discreet. And I would actually go and buy one, genuinely would. But I'm a bit like, there's something missing with it where I don't know if I've emotionally connected with it. And secondly, for that kind of money, what else could I get? Because that's always an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite like the minis. Um, we, we sell a lot of them, especially the J, JCWs and the, and, the, and the Cooper S's. But they're like little bit nasty inside, like a little bit cheap and plasticky inside, um, which is rare for a BMW, obviously, because BMWs are normally made well. But um, yeah, the the Clubman, is it Clubman or Countryman? No, Clubman. So I got the one with the, with the two swinging doors at the back. You had a previous generation one in when I was last down at Gravelwood. That, that's it. Yeah, we have. We've got, a, a, it's called a Oak Green. It's a really, it's nearly black. Have but you it's still a got really it? dark green. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how much is that then? The previous yeah. gen, the one that you've got, do you remember how much that was? At? 20, I think it's 21 or 22 grandish. Okay. Um, but like the one you've got, it's like absolutely full of it. It's got absolutely everything on it. So, um, yeah. It's just such the, the, a out there. Like, cause what else could you like golf our wagon? But yeah, I don't know why I'm not, I don't mm, find that that appealing. Yeah. The, Obviously, the S4 and the the C43 AMG, yes. both Good of them. Point. What? Are the, but that's a 
I mean, you looking at used, could you get one sub 40K on, in those, on those two cars? Yeah, definitely the S4, 100% the S4. Um, that would be a good car. The C43 probably as well. Um, I want something kind of like make something as well, don't they? Yeah, BMW do the. They don't do an M, but they do like a M three forty I or something like that. But that's, that's probably on the new front. You could probably get three thirty five as well. But but yeah, I want something that's a bit of a just a daily smoker. That's what I've loved about that mini because, as you say, you sell a lot of them. I see a lot of them on the road. That you're kind of discreet. Like whilst it's a quick car, mine's bloody green with red stripes on it. People don't really care because there are just so many minis everywhere. And it's been so mm. usable and so easy and easy to park and all of these different elements that if I was to change, and I do need something to use as a daily because the 911 and the 360 are just yeah, too tucked away most of the time. Yeah, just, you know, what do you cruise around? What's your smoker these days? Or do you just take whatever's in stock? Uh, yeah, so um, I've always never really driven anything too Larry. Um, full stop really I mean I uh, I had a Amarok pickup truck as a <laughs> I remember as a work truck that was back yeah, before you became a real two, big deal two years um, uh, and, and and like I just normally just drive whatever mate so some quite often I'll be in a Golf or a Range Rover or something comfy um, and usable I'm driving right? a Something just normal, yeah, yeah. That's what I want. I just want something just good and normal. And I could go like super low end, do like the sub 10K, little like Ivan, Ivan the Volvo. Um, but 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 the problem with Ivan the Volvo, especially when I sent Vicky off in it, is that, you know, would she ever come back? <laughs> Not in terms of I was doubting our relationship, more in the sack that would Ivan make it back? Um, and so I wouldn't mind something a little bit more, usable and sturdy even if i was to lease something or get a you know a silly pcp deal um maybe i just get the mini maybe i just order a mini like oh i don't know yeah it's yeah. perfectly good car isn't it perfectly good car and just you know easy and usable but i w- i think no matter what we should do a series again once lockdown is over and we're going to keep this is going to be a theme of the coronavirus specials which is when lockdown's over um we should do a my next daily series because people lapped that up last time and the time before. And the time before. Well done. Uh, so we should we should draw up a short list, see what you've got in stock and anything else we'll have to go and borrow from people. And then maybe we can get some people to su- make some suggestions. We'll do a, a viewer-suggested car. There'll be something out there like a Seat or something that somebody will suggest that we would never consider normally, but might surprise us. Yeah, or the, or the, the Focus ST is another one, isn't it? Oh, so. yeah. Oh yeah, but that's a bit. Like, I think that's a manual, isn't it? And and Vicky can't really drive manual and sh- and uh, whatever. Ma- what, yeah, I don't want it to bin it. Manual only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need something a bit more usable and accessible. So yeah, that that could be a cool series coming soon. I think the my next daily, hopefully, kind of June time. Look into that, and then yeah, I mean, oh, well, let's let's hold tight and let's let's wait and see. Um, now, I did ask a few people to submit some questions via Instagram, some topics for us to, to, to talk about, because we always like to try and involve you guys as much as possible. Um, and I actually can't see his username, so let me just click here. Uh, oh, yes. Re- Reliving app. Re- Reliving app? Anyway. He said, what cars do we think right now could be future classics? Now, I think this is an interesting one, because there's lots of different ways you could look at this. Uh, future classic, do you mean something that people lust after? Do you mean from an investment point of view? 
I think Tony and I have discussed many times, and I've definitely discussed on the main channel, we both think that investment car opportunities are dwindling. But what's a car that we're all going to go, that is, that was a great car? Because you could look right now, and I think people seem to be really banging on about Gen 1 R8s. We do, at least on this podcast. Um, So what are those? Now, Tony, do you remember a few years ago, I dragged you up north to pick up a little Renault Clio. Yeah, one was it a one seven one eight two when it was one eight two one eight two. Now at that time, did I not say to you if we weren't giving this away as part of a competition, we should hold on to this thing because this is going to be a future classic. And what happened? <laughs> no, it is. I mean, like that people. I'm not alone. Like you see that everywhere now. Oh. Just Google it. Um, Jethro Bovington, I'm pretty sure owns one. Like it's a thing. Like it is oh. a thing. Yeah. Don't don't act so surprised. I hate you so much. These guys, stock, mate. Get rid of it. Just part ways with it. No point in holding on to that stock. Just get rid of it. Um, so <laughs> I know what you're like. Um, what do you see? This is so not the right question for you because it's so not the market you operate in. But let me kick things off. Bugatti Veyron. And I know your opinions on that. But the Veyron is one of those cars which I feel like in years to come, we will look back on and go, it was so ahead of its time. It meant so much for what a hypercar could be. It achieved so much. They lost money making every single one that I think that's destined to be the next McLaren F1 or 250 GTO in future years. And I don't just mean price at auction. I mean, in terms of desirability. Carrera GTs, for example, yes, they're going up in value, but it's the desirability factor more than the actual financial investment, I think. So come on, Tony, there must be a few cars out there that you think, you know what, that's a bit underrated or that might be a classic. Like the 1M, like the 1M you got. I know you love that car. So you spot my thunder a little bit. So the Veyron, yes, would be one. One sec, sorry. Don't worry, your phone Wait, went off for back. a second. You're back. Uh, the, so the Veyron would be one. Um, but there's only about two people that watch this podcast that can probably afford it. So, <laughs> Hi guys. so well done. If you want to invest in the show, let us know. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one, I was actually thinking the one M. Oh, okay. So we've literally is, said the same two cars. That, you've absolutely, well, I didn't think of the Veyron. You thought the Veyron, but sure. when you was talking to me, I was thinking like the 1M is like perfect. It's a 40 grand rare. It's a BMW. When you look at old BMWs, they are a few quid now as well. I mean, you look at the the original M3, uh, you know, they're they're 100 grand, mate, or whatever. I mean, they're a fortune. Not to say the 1M will be that money, but it's solid at least. So, and I, I mean, it, it, I think it harks back to a slightly previous era of, of Bim Bimmer as well. Like people seem to enjoy what it represents. A true M car often gets called. Um, I've got to have a go on one of those. I did try and come and film it, didn't I, before this all kicked off, but we just ran out of time. Um, the other one that everyone freaks out about is the M3 CSL. Do you see the hype in that or are you, you're not really on that bandwagon? Uh, I'm not, I'm not on the bandwagon, but again, I do understand it because it's a rare M car and um, it, it like the 1M, it's really, it's quite raw. And I mean, it's not fast. It's a but driver's car. It, you know, it's raw. Yeah, special and a driver's car. Yeah. I so have a bad history I, I with that car it. on the channel because ages ago, my friend Wolfie went to collect one and me and Wolfie's like 
banter, if you could say, is to like take the piss out of each other. That's from day one. Like we just mob each other up. I actually haven't seen him for years, but anyway. Um, and so when he went, I kind of forgot that I was filming. So I was just like, oh mate, what is this car? Like, what have you bought? Cause he'd bent like 50 grand on an old BMW that I didn't know anything about. Cause I was uneducated and uh, people have still never let me live that down. Like I still get hate. I still get messages from people going, yeah, but you slagged off for CSL. So piss off. Um, it's a car yeah. that people are very, very vocal about. Yes. Like the, like almost like God status in the BMW world, essentially. Exactly. Um, the, uh, uh, another another car as well, which has come to mind, which I actually owned and I sold it a few years ago, was the Escort Cosworth, which again are an absolute fortune now. So I got I got in trouble when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago because you were talking about Did the you? Escort Cosworth, and you know what I put on as an overlay picture? What Sierra Cosworth? <laughs> you idiot! I mean that is that is literally that is the biggest offence. <laughs> That's, People just literally That's like destroy having an me. affair with someone. I mean, you cannot do that. Well, I think you've taken it a bit bit too far, but yeah, people actually ruined me. <laughs> I, I wasn't really paying attention. I do think I know the difference, I think. Well, I do now. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was an embarrassing <laughs> moment. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming to be the most knowledgeable guy in the world. I'm just an enthusiast, okay? So get off my case. Um, but you know what's getting a lot of hype at the moment? And I think this is unwarranted in terms of cars that I don't think are future classics. The boxy Merc SL. So you know the one prior to the sort of, I don't know what they call it, the R129? Is that? No, I don't really know the Merc body codes. Is it the is it the dub the W W something? Oh, w maybe I'm going to Google is it, it the now w on my phone. One two nine. Um, but people seem to be getting kind of behind that at the moment. As like this is going to be the next you know next bit of hype. I, I personally don't see it. Okay, fine. I know Brabus did a Merc SL seventy three back in the day, which was basically the Zonda engine. Sure, I get that, but not like a SL. What, what would it be? One eighty or three hundred or? Yeah, but yeah, it'd been a. 300 or a 350 or something like that I'd, or 280 maybe maybe yeah. i'm wrong but you, i well i know what you're going to say but do you see the appeal of that car do you think that's a a good car? no no <laughs> no 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 but neither is, have you, have you, you you must have driven one at some point that would have been your era wouldn't it coming up through the ranks yeah 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 i mean they they really hit rock bottom they were like five grand or something, like yeah. five or seven grand. But I mean, I, I have no idea what they're worth now. I mean, if they come back up, I, I don't know. What happened to the Merc SL? Because at one point, what a car. Like that was the 911's worst nightmare at one point, wasn't it? I mean, like super attractive proposition, hard top convertible, like everyone and everyone's doctor seemed to have one or everyone's dentist seemed to have one. And then literally kind of just died a death even long before the AMG GT came out. I think the SL seemed to die a death. Is that like, was it popular in the UK or am I making it up? Uh, it was, but it's not now. I mean, I'm, I don't even know if they make them anymore. I, I have no idea. I mean, uh, I think they, um, I, I think feel they like do. I there think was they a period do, of time right, where, where there was a period uh, of time where they were super popular and super desirable. No, no one buys them now. I mean, who buys them now? So I mean, they're a bit of a nothing car, aren't they really? bit of a nothing car, no, but I, I think it's, yeah, it's been superseded by S coupes and AMG GTs and all of these sorts. So if they still make them, someone can you please let us know in the comment section, why would you buy one? But I just feel like it was, at least when I look back at my teenage years, that was a car that 
I don't think it was ever that desirable to me, but it was definitely a car that was right up there, a popular car. And then, of course, we had the SL65 Black Series. My good Lord, I'd love to have a go on one of those at some point, just because of how rare it is. Mm. But that was like celebrating because it was the ultimate form. Like everyone wanted an SL and here was the ultimate version of an SL. So yeah, it seems like a shame that that great mark has kind of disappeared into the ether without any of us noticing. Yeah. I remember in the, in the early 2000, I mean, every car dealer had an SL, like, you know, as their weekend smoke. I mean, it was just one of them cars, but, um, yeah, it was never a car that I really enjoyed or liked. No. Well, look, it brings us on quite nicely to our final topic of the day, uh, which is actually AMG and AMG GTR related, a car which you could argue maybe just got rid of the SL for Merck. Because we talked about it a few times. We have teased it and someone reminded us of it on Instagram. Um, the fact that you had a story to tell, a slightly, slightly unhappy story to tell about your experience with not necessarily the AMG GTR, but the sort of service or customer service side of things. So let's not dwell on it too long because I know what you're like when you got on a rant, but remind me and us <laughs> of what happened and then we'll go from there. So uh, I had a couple of problems with it. Um, one being um, an electronical, electronic fault with it um, on the rear steering. I was stuck in Surrey for five hours waiting for a tow truck. When I get, when I get picked up, they took me to Brooklyn's Mercedes, their flagship store which is by the time I got there was shut. Um, I was then called a cab to go to Gatwick to pick a courtesy car up. But by that point, it was then seven hours. And I said, just take me home. just want to go home. Uh, ended up getting home at nine or 10 o'clock at night with no car. Um, um, and then they couldn't fix the fault because it was a software download and they couldn't get the information from Mercedes. Um, and then the big one for me was obviously the brakes. Oh, um, so most of you know, do, do, do some track days and stuff. Um, I didn't actually do hardly any track days in that car. Even though um, it's a track-focused car. Remember? Yeah, we took it to Ireland, but it's a track-focused car. So taking it on track, not that you did that much of it, it should be totally fine. Like it shouldn't bat an eyelid. Bang on. That's right. And that's exactly what I thought. And I've probably done, uh, I didn't do two track days. I think I've done one full track day and then a half. Um, anyway, I ended up, um, scalding the brakes. Um, apparently what had happened was uh, it was the rear brakes essentially that actually went, um, the, the wire that gives you the sensor to tell you that the brakes are low had snapped and, um, burnt onto the back of the caliper, which is why I never got any warning in the car. And I ended up, um, metal to metal pad to disc. And, and completely scoring the brakes. Uh, front brakes were just about gone to metal, but I never had any warning in the car or nothing. And Mercedes yeah, said, uh, yeah, it's 13,500 quid to fix, please. Mm. And, and I, I obviously was fuming, dumb my nut, and I said, this fuming. is a joke. I do this is your you premium product car. Why am I having to put brakes on it after, I don't know, it's six months. At the, um, at the time, you had done, done very little miles. with it. Yeah, you had done, and these were ceramic brakes. Sorry if you've already said that, but just to reiterate, these should be brakes that last a while. Like, you know, and you, <laughs> but I remember the shock and the kind of craziness of it is you, you, it's not like you'd had the car for a huge amount of time, done loads of miles and loads of track days. It should never have mm. happened. And I remember you saying you'd spoken to Schmig because at the time he also owned a GTR and he was like, I haven't even gone halfway through my rear brakes, like how, or front brakes, like how is this possible? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then when we were speaking as well, um, uh, I, I then spoke to Rentec, who obviously are a tuner, um, and they they obviously said they knew it was a problem, Rentec, and that in Germany they were actually fixing them under the problem, uh, you know, under the warranty, um, because it was a um, it was a known fault, and and the fault was because of uh, brake cooling. They had no brake cooling, unlike most of the other cars, which is why they were getting too hot and then wear it out really quickly, which is obviously what had happened. So anyway, eventually after four months of fighting and quite appalling customer service, um, they did agree to, uh, I think I had to pay 1500 quid or something, but I always said that I'd be happy to pay an amount of money. I didn't want them to do it for free. I just wanted some help because I thought it was ridiculous that their premium product car had fouled me up like that. So, I think that was it. I think you said it when we attempted this recording previously. <laughs> um, the, it wasn't the fact that car had gone wrong. Car, cars go wrong. Stuff happens. You know, if you're buying an expensive car, you've got to be prepared to sometimes shell out to fix them. It was more the fact that, unfortunately, there seemed to be no point of differentiation between you, someone who'd bought arguably their Mercedes's hero product, definitely AMG's hero product at the time, to someone who'd bought a used A-Class you know, off an independent dealer and was taking it in for a service, you got treated exactly the same way, which I get that. They're a massive conglomerate dealing with thousands of customers. But surely, if they're going to try and sell cars that are close to 200 grand, they should have something on their system that flings up a bing, like AMG customer or premium AMG customer, or you should probably not piss this guy off because he spent a ton of money with you. Like, that was what was kind of hard to swallow, I think. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, uh, at the time, I had the free RS and the performance as well. And I'd actually done harder and and more miles in both of them cars, especially the Porsche on, on track. And the brakes were absolutely fine on both them cars. I mean, the, the performance didn't really do any track days, but it done a lot of hard European road driving. And they were absolutely fine. So I couldn't get my head round our the competitors, the brakes were so good and the Mercedes was really that bad. So Yeah, and you just needed a human to say, actually, you're right, this doesn't quite make sense, let's look into it, rather than, well, sorry, mate, you've burnt through the brakes, you've got to pay, um, which is kind of what it seemed like or how it felt like you were being treated, right? That's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened, like, just, like you were... And, uh, mate, honestly, I, I had to... Well, you know, I, ha- I had to go right to director level. <laughs> yeah, I love it. In you, Germany. You, <laughs> I remember the time. Before I, mean, before I got... We started off this podcast talking about your mistakes on social media. Um, but that was definitely the time when you were like, shall I tweet about it? I'm going to tweet about it. And I was like, mate, if I just just hold fire just for two seconds, like, you know, see what you can do. But I remember you were fuming. You were fuming and, and yeah. trying to work out what to do. And, you know, well done for resolving it. And I guess well done, Merck, for finally figuring out that there was probably something that needed to be addressed. But as a point of differentiation, the reason this all came up in this story came to our minds was a few weeks ago when we were discussing do certain manufacturers have better customer service than others and i think if you're spending close to 200 grand with mclaren ferrari lamborghini porsche you feel like you've spent 200 grand you get that added customer service you feel sort of special and well looked after at least that would be in my experience i'm sure people are going to have other stories whilst when you switch to these more big-time mainstream manufacturers, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, that still have big-money premium products, unfortunately, from our experience, at least from your experience with Mercedes, you don't seem to get too much different attention or care from the customer service team. And that will be dealer-specific, I guess. 
yeah, they don't, they don't get it. They, they honestly, they don't get it. And it's the same with the sales as well. Like, mm. um, if the, the, the free German brands as well, when they're trying to sell these cars as well, a lot of the salesmen, they just, they don't get it that, mm. you know, they don't, it's not the same level of customer service. Anyway, well, look, as I said, we're, we're, we're aware that, you know, there will be plenty of amazing dealers out there treating their customers incredibly well. So we're talking about our own personal experiences rather than uh, mass assumptions, but uh, something we definitely wanted to discuss and people were asking about. So there you go. Tony's, Tony's story with his AMG GTR. I don't know how I'll caption that one up, but I will somehow. <laughs> and that brings an end <laughs> to luck. today's episode, which is, yeah, the second time we've recorded it. But I, I think this was a guy, I, I feel like maybe, Tony, this was better than the first time. Well, I mean, I don't know, mate. I mean, I lost track. I mean, we, we, we had you, a bit of interruption on this yeah, one, didn't we? You fell asleep halfway through. So yeah, anyway, well, look, we got through it. So I hope by next week, I'll be better at this because it, it was my mistake. I know probably you would have thought Tony messed it up, but actually you didn't. He's pretty good at these nowadays. It's usually me and technical errors. So again, apologies, Tony. And I promise by next week, it'll be a much smoother process. Uh, those of you that have been watching here on YouTube, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Give it a thumbs up if you have. Uh, make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes, including the bonus episodes, which I do midweek by myself without Tony and his... Uh, dodgy uh, stirring of the pot of social media. Uh, and if you're listening, uh, make sure to keep following and listening on whatever audio platform you are listening on. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Stay inside, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will catch up with you very, very soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.